0: We're going to try to create a train wreck. Uh, we're going to dismiss the kids to Sunday school while the elders are collecting the communion cups. So hopefully we don't end up with, you know, too much chaos. All right. This morning we'll be looking in, uh, Galatians chapter three. Not turned on yet. Galatians chapter three, verses six through fourteen. If you have a Bible and want to look there, or follow along on the screen as we read. Galatians, 6, uh, Galatians three, six through fourteen. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, uh know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written... Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. If you've been with us as we've been looking through Galatians, you'll know that the big uh, struggle that Paul is addressing in this book is the relationship between faith and works, faith and keeping the law. And it's a, a... A challenging problem for Christians, uh, for people in general actually, and it was certainly a problem for the Jews, uh, because, uh, God was actually the one who gave the law, right? And, and, and in the Old Testament, God expected His people to keep and obey the commandments. And, uh, when, when Jesus came, that all changed, but how it changed and how that all got worked out was a difficult thing for the early church and and Paul wrestles with it and in Galatians the setting there is that the the believers there the church in Galatia was primarily Gentile converts they didn't come from Judaism they had no history with the Old Testament um, and they uh, got Paul had gone there and proclaimed the gospel to them and they uh, quickly received it and they knew that they were saved through faith in Christ uh, but along behind Paul and it seems that everywhere Paul went there was this group of uh Jewish converts, people who called themselves Christians, but who came out of Judaism. And uh they came behind Paul everywhere he went and were teaching uh, that you know Jesus is good, but he's only part of the solution. That ultimately what you need to do after you after you come to Christ is you need to take the next step and become fully Jewish. And that salvation and all the blessings of God would come to you Uh, when you really take that last step of, of stepping into Judaism and following the law. And Paul makes it clear, uh, in, in Galatians and then later in other books, but first, uh, first in Galatians that that does not work. That, that, uh, Jesus and the Old Testament law are two separate systems, right? So we've been kind of looking through that, uh, we'll we'll un, we'll explore it a little more uh, this morning um, as Paul continues his argument and if you remember last week the the argument was basically that their own experience uh invalidated this he said to them did you receive the holy spirit and did you receive uh, this experience of salvation because you were keeping the law or because you accepted what Jesus did by faith and of course the answer was that they had received it by faith in Christ right not Because they were keeping the law. In fact, it wasn't until much later that people came along and even told them there was these Old Testament rules and regulations they were supposed to be following. Uh, today he's gonna look, or what we're gonna, next, (laughs) what we're gonna look at today is, uh, more of an argument from the Bible. And Paul quotes a lot of Old Testament scriptures, uh, to show that even the Old Testament pointed to Jesus and actually the, the end of the law. So the law itself prophesied or spoke of its own uh, its own end, end. Right. So that's what we're looking at, and, and uh, Paul contrasts this by looking at blessings and curses. And if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament, you know that one of the uh, at the end of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, in Deuteronomy, after God gives all these rules and regulations and kind of the whole system of uh, worship for the Jewish people. He ends it with this whole section of blessings and curses. And Paul kind of picks up on that theme, uh, but he changes its meaning dramatically as he looks at uh, what true blessing is and what uh, what it means to fall under a curse. And so he starts with, with Abraham, uh, and Abraham's an important figure for Paul, as we'll see in a minute. He says, just as, as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. It was credited to him that his life was right with God. And whatever sins, whatever things Abraham had done wrong in his life, the fact that he believed God uh, wiped out his sin and God considered him, counted him to be a holy and righteous man uh, on the basis of faith alone. Uh, so then Paul says in verse 8, Now then, uh, know then, that it is those of faith those who are like Abraham, who walk this walk of faith, uh, who are the true sons of Abraham. And one of the arguments, no doubt, that the Judaizers were using, these Jewish uh, fanatics were using, was that, um, you know, you Gentiles, you, you may have Jesus, but you're really not in until you become a true son of Abraham. And the only way to become a true son of Abraham is to come into Judaism. Uh, but Paul uses an interesting argument here, and he says, no... Um, uh, what you have to have is not th- the physical DNA of Abraham to be his son. A true son is somebody who has the spiritual DNA of Abraham. The spiritual DNA. So what was the spiritual DNA of Abraham? Well, he was uh, a man of faith. He was a man of faith. He was a man who believed God and it says it was counted to him, it was put to his account that he was right with God. He was righteous and holy. Now, um and I, I shared this, uh, I think, last week, uh, as I taught this around, and especially as I share this a lot of times with Thai people, uh, the question I always get is, yeah, but you know, if you really believe this, like if you just believe in God, and you believe that you don't have to keep the law anymore, then what's to keep you from just being an all-out sinner? Right? What's to just keep you from doing whatever you want? And they said, that can't be right. And there, there obviously is some truth in that. Um, living by faith... It's not a license to just sin, right? It's not a license to just do whatever we want. Um, uh, the contrast is between faith and works. But if we live by faith and not by works, how, how does that work out in everyday life? What does that look like? Um, well, let's look at uh, the life of, of Abraham briefly to see what it meant for him to be a man of faith. What? How did Abraham live out this life of faith? What exactly did it mean for him to believe God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Well, first thing we need to, and we won't go back to Genesis to look at it, but just briefly survey. One thing we know is that when, when Abraham believed God, it was long before the law. In fact, it was, it was, uh, almost 500 years before Moses would show up and God would give the law that we have in, in the Bible, right? The Ten Commandments and all the other laws. Uh, so, so for Moses, it was clearly long before he could obey any any of the law. Uh, recently, um, some of the Thai uh, people that I work with they we, they were going through a Bible study in Genesis, and so I was kind of walking them through Genesis. And every time we come to the story of the patriarchs, who the patriarchs Abraham and his son later Isaac and Jacob, they were horrible people sometimes, right? And they did some like crazy things that we would be like, how could you do that? Like, how could you have so many wives, for example, right? For example. And of course, one of the things that I have to re- remind uh, my, my Thai students is that they didn't know, right? There was no law. They hadn't been, hadn't been told yet this was off limits, right? So there's a sense in which a lot of the stupid things that they did, they did uh, not because they were breaking the law, right? They didn't know. They didn't have the law. So so Moses lived long before the law, Uh um, so, so, so he, there was nothing he did that justified or that proved he was being uh, obedient. He was keeping the commands because God hadn't given him any commands, right? Uh, now it's interesting uh, in Jesus' day and in Paul's day, uh, the Jews of that time were convinced that Abraham had to have done something uh, to prove he, he he earned or deserved or merited. Like faith couldn't just be believing God alone. Like that was not enough. And so what Jews during Jesus' day taught is that, well, this all happened because uh, in the end, Abraham offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. And it's true. A- Abraham did do that. He was obedient. God commanded him to take his own son out and to offer him as a sacrifice. And so Abraham was obedient, and he, he followed God's command. Uh, thankfully, at the end, if you don't know the story, God spares uh, Isaac and provides a substitute. Uh, but the Jews point to that and say, see, Abraham was a man who kept, he was obedient to the commands of God. Uh, the problem with that is that happens many, many years after uh, uh, Abraham believed. Many years. In fact, when Abraham believed, uh, and the, 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 the quote here, Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness, uh, happened at the first covenant, the first time God made promises to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 early on, right? Uh, he didn't even have a son yet, much less, you know, be commanded to uh, offer him as a sacrifice. So, so the first thing we see is that uh, Abraham uh, Abraham's faith was not in any way connected to his own effort, his own obedience, his own works. Right? He simply believed God. And for him, faith was um, simply believing uh, that God would do what he said, That ultimately is what faith is. God spoke to Abraham and he called Abraham and he said, Abraham, I want to bless you. I want to give you uh, so many sons, you can't count them. They're going to be like the stars of the sky or the sand on the seashore. That's going to be the, the multitude of your descendants. And I want to give you a land. And I'm not talking just a little tiny farm. I'm talking about a country. I want to give you a nation. Right? And I want to make you great, and I want to bless the world through you. Right? And, and Abraham believed God. He believed that God would do exactly what he promised. Um, that God would keep his word and do what he said he would. Now, that's faith, pure and simple. That is faith. But there's three characteristics or three outcomes you could maybe look at that came about uh, from, from Abraham's faith. And the reality is that when you believe God, if you take God at His word, it does change the way you live. Right? It impacts how you think and what you do. And we see that in the life of Abraham. Uh, Abraham was in a place called Haran, living with his father, and God called him and said, I want you to go to this land I want to give you. And and Abraham believed God. And so what did he do? Well, he moved, right? He He took God at His word, and because he believed that what God said was true... He left his father and he left Haran where it was home, and he did a crazy thing. He went to a place he had never been before. Now for us, that's not a big deal. A lot of us are not from Thailand, and we've come, from, we've come to a Thailand from another country. And so a lot of us have gone to a place we've never been before. And it's like, yeah, I don't know, it's a big deal, right? No, no big deal. But granted, it's a little different in our world, Right? I can get online and I can learn everything about that place before I go. Right? I can know more about that country than the people who live there. If I want to put their work into it, right? I can see pictures. I can, I can, I can make plans, right? There's all kinds of things I can know about that place. But, you know, here's the thing. Abraham did not Google it, right? (laughs) He didn't get on the internet and go, okay, Palestine. What are the people like there? What do they eat, right? He just went blind to a place he had never been. Uh, and, and it was a scary thing. What if there were people there who were mean and would kill him right but But he believed God would keep his word and so he uh, so the first thing we see is that he follows God in obedience, right He was obedient to do what God said, not because he was keeping rules or regulations, but because he was trusting God. He believed that God would do what he said, and for that to happen. Abraham, Abraham had to follow him. His obedience flowed out of his confidence that God was going to do everything He promised. So it was easy for him to obey. Right, but his obedience was not following a set of rules. It was following God, where God led him. It was trusting Him. Uh, this last week, uh, I went and saw the movie Aladdin. Okay, be honest, how many of you have seen Aladdin so far? Okay, those of you who haven't, it's pretty good, I gotta say. I took my granddaughters and, uh, there's a scene where Aladdin, uh, you know, his, his, uh, his hopeful love is, is, uh, Jasmine, right? Jasmine? I just saw the movie and I already forgot. Um uh, and he's, uh, he's got his magic carpet, right? And he wants to take Jasmine on this magic carpet ride because, I mean, like, this is going to get the girl, right? If you take her on a magic carpet ride, it's all over, right? She's trying to get her to get on this magic carpet, and she's a little reluctant, like it's a rug, right? It's a rug. You want me to get on this rug? <laughs> right? And he's like, he says to her, do you trust me, right? Do you trust me, right? And, of course, she takes his hand. She says, yes, right? And she gets on the on the carpet, right? And she follows him. But see, imagine if, this would have made it not a very good movie, but imagine if it would have been more like how it would have been if it was me, right? Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. But there's no way I'm getting on a stupid rug, right? <laughs> Especially one without seatbelts. You only get on the rug, get seatbelts installed, right? And then I'll think about it, right? Is that really trust? No, right? It's not trust. Trust involves following wholeheartedly the person that you have confidence in. And that's the way it is with God, right? Abraham had confidence that God could be trusted, and so he followed him out of, uh, out of faith, not out of keeping rules. And in fact, you could argue that for Abraham, the proof that he really believed God without question was that he did follow him. He did obey, right? Uh, had he not obeyed, had he been, like Jasmine not getting on the carpet, um, it would have been a mark that His faith was just words, not true living confidence that God was going to take care of him. Um, And it was crazy, you know, that that God called him to a place he'd never been, uh, to to a whole world that was outside of Abraham's experience, but he followed God there because he had faith, So that's the first mark of faith. Faith, uh, Faith is obedient in following where God leads, right? Uh, second thing we see is that faith waits. Uh, uh, God promised that he would make Abraham's descendants like the stars, right? Uh, after that, uh, 25 years go by. And how many children does Abraham have after 25 years? Well, he actually has one, but it's the wrong one. It was not a child of promise, right? And God said, no, it's not going to be that one because that was your doing, not my doing. Uh, an example of him not following in obedience, by the way. Um, and not trusting, after 25 years, still not even one son of promise, much less a multitude of children and grandchildren. Right? Uh, faith waits. Right? Faith is patient. Uh, Isaiah says, "Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and shall receive God's help." Um, this is this is proof for me that most of the time I really don't have faith. Because I am terrible at waiting on anything, and especially God. Right? Faith waits. Abraham was, uh, was patient. Not always. And he did fail at times. But in the end, he waited until God pro- delivered what he promised. 25 years before Isaac was born. Right? And, and the reality is that there were some promises that, that Abraham never saw in his lifetime. Uh, he saw the land that God was going to give him, but God didn't give it to him in his lifetime. He ended up with one small little field uh, where he could bury his wife. That was it, right? He never saw uh, the land his. He never saw his descendants like the stars, stars of the sky. But he waited on God. And he died in hope, believing and confident that God was going to keep his promise, even though he hadn't seen it yet. But that's faith. Faith is waiting on God, and, and, and granted, that's not easy, and we'll talk about, about the challenges of faith when, uh, when it doesn't seem like God's going to do what he promised. But Abraham did not give up hope. He kept believing. Thirdly, uh, and, and probably most importantly, and I don't know how to put this positively. I can only come up with a negative way to say this, so I'm sorry about that. But, but faith is not proving that we deserve God's blessing. Faith is not proving that we've earned it. That's a, that's in fact the the opposite of faith. If we if we've earned it, it's not faith. Right? It's works. Um, and the ironic thing about Abraham's life and also the patriarchs, but Abraham he messed up often. And he's saying, well, how could he mess up when he had no law? Didn't you say that he didn't have a law, so he's kind of off the hook? Uh True, he had no law, and so a lot of what he did, we can't charge to him that he sinned because he was breaking God's commands. Uh, But there were plenty of times when, um, because Abraham still did have a conscience, he did live in a place where there were moral values and where there were certain customs and rules that they were to follow. And most importantly, Abraham had a wife. And uh, the three of those things probably often reminded him of his failures. I'm not sure about the wife, but maybe, right? Uh, He messed up, right? And and one of the times, actually two different times, uh, he, he did really dumb things that he had to know were not right, right? And, and two different times he lied about Sarah and said, oh, she's not really my wife, she's my sister, because she was very beautiful, and he feared that the people of the land would kill him and take his wife for, for themselves. So he lied. He said, this is my, this is my sister, right? Uh, it was a problem for him, but it was a much bigger problem for Sarah, who, because he lied, they took her, right? The very thing he feared was the thing that happened. And they took her, and they were going to make these kings, were going to make Sarah um, their wife. Uh, but what's amazing in the midst of that, in the, in the midst of, of Abraham doing the stupidest things, stupidest things. You know, you know how it ends in both, both cases? He gets his wife back, and along with his wife, he gets a boatload of stuff, right? Because the kings feel so bad. So God, God protects Sarah, God protects Abraham, and God blesses his socks off for his stupidity. Right? He gets money and animals and he goes away like loaded. And you think, well that's not right! He's an idiot! Right? He should have, God should have said, it's time you learned a lesson the hard way. That's what I always heard, right? He doesn't learn a lesson the hard way at all. He gets blessed for his stupidity. Right? But that's what, that's how faith works. That's what faith is. Faith, it's accounted to him as righteousness because he believed. Right? Now, it could be argued, and, and, and there's a case for it, and we're going to talk a lot about those two stories, there's a truth that he wasn't fully believing God, and that's how he got in trouble in the first place. But the point is that God's goodness to him was not based on what Abraham did. right? In spite of his failures, God kept his promise. right? God kept his promise not because he was good, because he deserved it, but because God was good, and God would keep his word no matter how much Abraham messed it up, um, so that's that's what faith is, right? Faith um, is is patient. Faith is not trying to prove that we deserve God's goodness. Um, and I forgot the third one. Uh, faith follows in obedience, right? Faith follows in obedience, right? And, and and what Paul is saying here, he says, "Know then that it is those of faith." who are sons of Abraham. Right? When we have that kind of DNA, uh, that we become sons of Abraham. We become children of Abraham, uh, heirs of all of his blessings. Right? And he goes on and he says, and so that DNA, right? No matter how unlikely it is, no matter how impossible or crazy it seems, we claim what God has promised us. And we believe that God will keep his word. And that belief, that faith is evident because we we do follow him in obedience, right? We do go where God calls us to. And we, we live life the way he calls us to, because we believe. Uh and we we are patient and we uh we don't try to earn it, right? Uh and we become children of blessing. Children and that's what it means to be a child of Abraham, to be an heir of the same promises Right? And not that we're going to become uh, residents in, in, in Israel, but the spiritual promise is that we become residents of God's peace and shalom in, in all eternity. Uh, and I love it. He, says, he said, this was actually God's plan all along. He says, the scripture itself, the Bible itself, the law, uh, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying... In you shall all the nations be blessed. So it's a great picture. that This was God's plan all along. right? Not that the Gentiles would come in under Judaism and the law, but that the law would, 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 would bring Christ ultimately, and that God would, would bring a way of salvation that was outside the Old Testament law. The Gentiles, like Abraham, would come into God's kingdom and His promise by faith alone. By simply believing in the promises of God. Uh, So so we are called to be people of faith. And Paul's going to contrast here two groups of people. People of faith, uh, faith kind of people, and law kind of people. And he said, said righteousness comes to faith kind of people. Who have uh, Abraham's DNA. But then he brings up another group of people... Uh, and ironically, um, it's it's the law kind of people, right? And he says, uh, he says in verse uh, 10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. They're under a curse. For it is written, "Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them." It is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Right? Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. People of the law. Um, People of the law are people who are not seeking acceptance with God through faith. Instead, they are seeking acceptance with God by being good people. And for these people, the blessing, unlike faith, the blessing is earned. The whole point is to live your life in such a way that you prove that you deserve God's blessing, that you are good enough, that you are obedient. This is not an obedience that flows out of faith. It's an obedience to the law. It's conformity to rules to prove to God that I'm good enough. I'm deserving. I'm worthy. Uh, God owes me because I've done everything He commanded. Right? People of law are people of very little patience. <laughs> okay, they aren't waiting. And here's how it works. If you've earned something, there's no reason you shouldn't get it immediately. Like if I'm good enough and I've deserved it, why do I have to wait for it? Right? There's no place for patience. God, I did my part. Pay up. Right? Uh, I'm kind of overstating it a little bit, but that's, that's the attitude of, of those who follow the law. And oftentimes, uh, these people get angry when God doesn't deliver. Right? Uh, and ultimately, the goal is not following God, but manipulating God. Right? They're not walking in obedience, following what God's uh, called because they trust Him. Right? It's it's doing things to manipulate and control God to get what I want. And that's what the Judaizers were doing. But is this just about Jews? Right? Is this just about Jewish people a long time ago who were confused about the gospel? I don't think so. And I believe that it's a problem for for humankind, because for some reason, I don't know why, we like rules, right? It makes us feel good when we can live up to our own rules and prove that we are worthy, right? And that's uh, that's what the Judaizers did. But it's also a threat and a, a potential risk for Christians. And and here's my I don't know I have no biblical support for this. It's just a theory, so you can disagree and throw this out, right? But I think sometimes uh, Christians are far more at risk for this than, than like all out, you know, unbelievers, unChristians. Uh, and the reason is that uh, we grow up in a Christian home, we go to church, we maybe even go to a Christian school where we're surrounded by basically good people, right? Basically respectable, like people who, who do the right things, Right? and And we we kind of see this all around us, and we set up this expectation that well, this is what it means to be a Christian to be a Christian it means being a good person, and so we feel this pressure to be a good person, to follow the rules, to look respectable right um, and and sometimes we're even told that depending on on, on how we, or, or we hear it that you know God wants you to be a good person. Uh, Christians don't do these things, right? Christians stay away from these places. They're good people, right? And so we, we get set up and we get uh, wired, as it, as it were, that the Christian life is about keeping the rules. It's about keeping the rules. Uh, and Paul says no, because he says the law is not of faith, right? Um, And I know this from my own. This is really about my own testimony and my own personal experience. Because for a long time, I was a person of law, not a person of faith. Now, at that time, if you were to ask me, Tim, do you believe in God? I would said, yes, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. In fact, I was a pastor back in, in the United States, and I preached grace. In fact, I preached grace so much that I one time had a lady tell me, you don't really believe in the law at all, do you? I thought, yes, that's right, I don't. But regardless of what I taught... The way I lived was was oftentimes not of faith; it was of law. And and, and here's how it kind of worked out for me. Um, um, first off, I often was was very. Um, Yeah, I would get angry with God when things didn't go the way I thought they should. Um, And at the time, I was pastoring in in this uh, very rural church in Colorado, and it was a poor, small, struggling church, and I had four daughters I couldn't feed most of the time. And um, I felt like, God, I'm doing all the right things for you. you. And my whole life is falling apart right in the, before me here. Uh, I'm doing all the right things, and I'm, I'm following you, and I'm serving you. And um, I, I wouldn't have said I'm keeping the rules, because I didn't, I didn't like the rules. I, and I thought I, I knew it wasn't about the rules. But the reality was, I thought I was doing the right things, and God owed me. And when, whenever problems came into my life and things got difficult... Uh, and God didn't, uh, God didn't answer or meet my need the way I thought. I would just get really angry. And I remember some specific times when, uh, it's like everything was going wrong. And, uh, things were not going well and, and I was struggling financially and struggling in other ways. And I was like, and I, I remember just being so angry with God, which by the way, if you gotta be angry with anybody, be angry with God. It's, he, he's big. He can handle it. He's not gonna. He's not gonna um, hate you. Um, but I was so angry that God was ripping me off, right? Because I deserved. And and my thinking. I mean, I hate to even say the words now, but I felt like I deserved better than this, right? And that that's a sign of of being a law person, not a faith person, right? Because faith is patient and believes that God's going to take care of it. And I, I wait. I trust in God to keep His promises. And there's no room for anger when I'm believing uh, fully in God's promises. Um, so that was one problem. Um, uh, second problem: uh, I did not really have. A, I was not really following God with wholehearted conviction that He would do what He promised. Right. Now again, if you were to ask me, I would have said, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I believe that." Um, but the way it worked out in everyday life, I oftentimes was solving problems myself instead of trusting God, um, and it worked out oftentimes with finances. That's where I saw it the most. And I remember, the, uh, I remember the very first time I took a step in this direction, the wrong direction, and it kind of went downhill from there. Um, we. uh our washing machine broke, and as I said, we had our four daughters, a house full of kids, on laundry, and our washing machine broke. And you know, in in, as in America, we didn't have a maid bond who could just do this. Like, right? and so uh, it was very frustrating. I was probably angry that God again wasn't taking care of me. And so I remember we went and um, we went to the store, Sears and Roebucks, right, and they had these beautiful, fancy, nice washing machines, and I thought, that's it that's the solution right get a new washing machine but we had no money right but in america that's not a problem right cuz you just buy it on credit wow and so i did we bought this washing machine on credit and it wasn't that expensive and it wasn't that hard to pay off but it was it was for me it was a step in the direction of not following god and trusting him to keep his promises i took it on myself to solve the problem by going into debt to get it instantly right, and after that, uh, it got super easy to do that again, right, so that every time there was a problem, I just pulled out the credit card right uh, and and I was not waiting on God to meet those needs and i wasn 't using the credit card to buy TVs or take you know crazy vacations to i don 't know Europe or something uh, but uh, it was for needs, but I wasn't trusting God to meet those needs. I wasn't believing in His promise, and I could have quoted to you uh, frontward and backward, Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you; will be taken care of. But I wasn't living it out. Right? Um, I wasn't trusting God. Um, third thing where I saw this is that, and this is kind of crazy and ironic. Uh, but I didn't, I I didn't, I knew I did not deserve His love. And so it was very difficult for me to believe that He did in fact love me. Now that sounds kind of crazy and ironic. How can you feel angry that God doesn't give you what you deserve and at the same time feel like you're a failure who doesn't deserve God's love? That's exactly the curse of the law. Right? It's the curse of the law. Because when you get it right, you're convinced God owes you But if you make the tiniest mistake, tiniest mistake, it all comes down. Wow, God's helping me out big time today. Right? If you make the tiniest mistake, there's a sense of overwhelming failure that you blew it and you're not deserving of God's love. And of course, we're not deserving of God's love. that's the point of faith, but when it's all about law right and again, if you had asked me, I would have told you over and over that yeah, God loves you, but deep inside, I felt so unworthy and i I could not believe that God could love me because I knew uh I failed him often right well for me those were those were signs that I was uh, I was a person of law, not of faith. And there are probably others. And for your life, it may be a very very different picture. Um, let's look at the solution. Uh, verse 13, and he throws this in very abruptly. There's no but or and, no conjunction. He just drops this kind of like a bomb out of nowhere. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. What is the curse of the law? The curse of the law is this: "Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them." The curse of the law is this: that if you mess up at all, if you fail in even one point, uh, you are deserving of, of the curse. And you may say, "Well, yeah, that." Uh, but what about in the Old Testament? Was there no forgiveness? What about the sacrifices? Didn't they get forgiven? Yes, they did. But, but here's Paul's argument. Paul is saying, even in the Old Testament, the sacrifices only worked by faith, not by keeping the law. When they brought the lamb and sacrifice, it, it had to be brought in faith, that it could uh it could make atonement for them according to God's promise. Right? Not because they were good and they kept the law. Because the law is not of faith. But it says Christ became Uh, the curse for us and the context of this uh, this it's an Old Testament quote from Deuteronomy and and the passage that this comes from is the passage where it talks about dealing with a rebellious son Uh, and it said if you have a rebellious son one who's kind of gone off the deep end and who uh, is is bad in every way uh, you are to take him and bring him to the elders and the elders of the city are to take him out and stone him to death uh, I love this story not because I mean it's a horrible it's a horrible thing, but I I I just so my favorite passages in Deuteronomy is simply because uh, it's a good illustration of why you don't want to go to Old Testament, right? <laughs> right? It's why we don't have it's why we don't put ourselves under the law. Who would want to live in this kind of place and in this kind of culture, where a rebellious child ends up in being stoned to death? And I so said, you stone the child, you you stone them, and then. To, to make a point, you took the, the corpse, the body, and you put it up on a pole as kind of a sign to warn other rebellious children. This is what happens. Right? And it was shameful, and it was horrible. And, and, and in Deuteronomy it says, and it is a curse. Cursed is anybody who hangs on a tree. But of course it's a picture of Jesus. Christ redeemed us by becoming a curse for us and hanging on a tree. Um we were all rebellious children against God. And and you know, this kind of rebellion that would and I just can't imagine as a parent what would it it take for a parent to get to that point where they would uh stone their child. And I'm guessing it was more than just they didn't clean their room, (laughs) right? Or they didn't do the dishes. Right. This would to get to this point, it would have to be a child who you knew their heart was against you, who 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 hated and despised you as a parent, who was just super disrespectful. But right? it would take a lot for a parent to get to that point. And it, see, it's just a heart issue, uh, and, and that's the that's the problem with the law. The law assumes that if I'm good, everything is okay, but it neglects the heart. The Bible says that we are all rebels against God. Right On our own, we despise him as a father and as one who's God. Uh, that was Adam and Eve in the garden. right? Who is God to, to tell us he's better than us? We want to be like him. Right? That's rebellion. Um, and we are all guilty. No matter how moral our life may be on the outside, no matter how good we may be on the outside, we are under the curse of the law as people who ultimately don't love the Father. But Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God, the incarnate holy God, became a curse for us. A curse simply means to come under the wrath of God and receive his punishment for uh, our rebellion. And Jesus uh, took our place. He became... The cursed one, in our place, right? I was the one who deserved that punishment, because I was the rebellious child against God. Um, and it's a new covenant, right? It is. It is our faith in Christ that uh, that matters. And and Paul would say, look, in the Old Testament, faith did carry out through the law. If you are a person of faith you would exercise your obedience by keeping the Old Testament rules. But when Jesus came, he wrote a new covenant that made those old rules obsolete. And Paul's ultimate argument is this, that if you hold on to the law, that now is rebellion against Christ. That kind of legalism is itself rebellion against Christ. The only hope for us is faith. Right? to believe that Jesus is our Redeemer and that his uh, His death is sufficient for us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are um, a loving um, God who who wants the very best for us. You are a Father who cares for your children, not because we're good, not because we keep the rules all the time, In fact, um, in the end, we've proven to be rebellious sons and daughters who in our hearts, apart from the redeeming work of Christ and the intervening of the Holy Spirit, we would be um, all out against you. And we are the ones deserving of being under the curse of the law. But we thank you that... um, that you redeemed us through Christ. That Jesus came and, and he gave his life on the cross and he absorbed the full and complete punishment of sin, all its consequences that were mine, but he took upon himself. And Lord, all you ask of us is that we walk and live by faith, that we really believe everything that you've said, And we claim it for ourselves as true. And we live life accordingly. Lord, we pray that you'd help us do that. Lord, it's hard when things don't go our way and things are difficult. And we feel like the promises are, are too long in coming. Lord, it's easy to get discouraged. So we pray that even the faith itself would come not from us, but would come from Jesus and from the Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would fortify our faith and build it up so that we can believe everything you promised. And we call on you to help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.